there, podcast land. You have set down once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 161. My guest a little bit later on going 10 rounds with Rhino, 4-0. Bellator flyweight, Jenna Bishop. It is an awesome one. She is an incredible fighter, really, really good jiu-jitsu fighter. Who has really upped her um, overall MMA game. We have a great conversation. Can't wait for you guys to check that one out a little bit later. So, our intro in as our intro <laughs> and our schedule is as follows. We are going to have our coverage from the 126-pound undisputed boxing match from Madison Square Garden between Amanda Serrano and Erica Cruz from last night. We're going to have our co-main and main event results from Bellator 290. Then we're going to have, of course, our entire coverage, our entire recap of um, UFC Vegas 68, our drop of the night. Main card picks for next week's incredible UFC 284. Some Q&A with the Rhino gang, and then the aforementioned Bellator flyweight Jenna Bishop goes 10 rounds with Rhino. So, APB, without further ado, let's go ahead and get our swim trucks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So last night, the boxing net, the championship boxing match for Madison Square Garden in New York was Amanda Serrano, who right now is 43-2-1, took on Erica Cruz, who... Really stuck in there as best she could. She was really overmatched at being just 15 and 1. Amanda Serrano got the clear cut UD in the 10th round. Um, she's going to be fighting Katie Taylor again. They already announced it, which is one of the best fights you'll ever see uh, in women's boxing of all time. So I'm really stoked they're going to be doing that one again. Looks like they're going to be doing it over in uh, Ireland, which is it, it just shows you what cojones that Serrano has, man. It's unbelievable to go to somebody's backyard to fucking fight, but. Man, that's going to be a good one. So big up to Amanda Serrano for the UD-10 over Erica Cruz. All right, let's get into Bellator 290. Our co-main event was champion Johnny Eblen versus Anatoly Tokov. And this one was Johnny constantly being able to get out of being taken down, take Anatoly down himself, landing better on the feet. And then one of the best suplexes you are ever going to see since like WWF 1980s, Mr. Perfect style, Johnny fucking suplex Anatoly. So gnarly. It was awesome. So he is, and still after a UD five over Anatoly took off at Bellator 290. And then, ugh, I don't want to do it. APB. I don't want to do it, but that's my journalistic integrity to cover the the full main event, my man, my favorite heavyweight of all time. I've been watching this guy for 20 years. Tador uh, <laughs> Emelianenko has gone out on his shield. Um, you know, he literally, he's the best heavyweight of all time. I won't, I won't take debate on that from anybody. Uh, he started out his career like 31 and one, and fought the best of the best in Pride. Um, he fought Ryan Bader last night. Ryan Bader. Took him down pretty early and then kind of handcuffed him on the side. It was landing brutal ground and pound for a couple minutes. So the referee had to stop the fight. TKO in the first round for Ryan Bader. Um, Fedor Emelianenko, you know, he told everybody he was going to be retiring after this one. And he did. I wish him nothing but peace and success and family time. He's a very reserved um family guide. I hope he gets lots of downtime and relaxation moving forward. We love you, Fedor! The last emperor for his last ride. That was awesome. All right. Now, and I mean by awesome, I mean his career, not what happened last night. So, let's go ahead and get into our meat of the matter, UFC Vegas 68. We had a lot of the road to UFC fighters on this one. Our first fight was at 125, we had Tatsuro, Tyra, uh, submitted Jesus Aguilar, Jesus Aguilar, with a uh, arm and guillotine and triangle armbar kind of hybrid. It was beautiful. It was a really nice win for him. 
moving into one of my favorite fighters, like for the last year or so, Jung Young Park, the Iron Turtle versus Dennis Delulin. After the Iron set, Turtle. The Iron Turtle is so funny. Um, <laughs> Jung Young Park, after some exchanges of jabs early, took him down, opened Dennis up bad. Dennis Delulin's face got filleted open, and he was bleeding <laughs> pretty bad. Jung Young Park, the Iron Turtle, then kind of took his back, slid in the rear naked choke, got to stop it again in the first round. All right, moving into 125 pounds. We had, I hope I'm saying these names. At least I'm doing them sort of close, okay? Hyun Sung Park versus Sejung Gu Choi. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I, I, hope I have I'm no trying. idea. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. So, uh, yeah, basically this was a fun back-and-forth fight. Uh, and then later on in the third round, um, Park kind of overcame. He was probably down two rounds, overcame um, – you know, Choi and was able to put on the rear naked choke and, and submit him in the third round. So big win for Park over Choi in that one. Okay. <laughs> Try this one now. We're I gonna, saw this one live. Gonna... This was the, yes. the next one. It's one of the only two I saw live. <laughs> <laughs> next one is Rinya Nakamura over Tasha Omi Kazama. And this one was beautiful. Uh, Kazama came storming across the cage. Nakamura and him are both throwing big shots. And then a huge left hook for Rinya Nakamura. Uh, Toshima Kazama, Toshiyomi Kazama with that beautiful left hand, put him down. And he was out, but the referee didn't get in there quick enough. And then Nakamura landed one more real hard shot just to make sure on the ground. <laughs> so he got the big uh, KO in the first round for him at 135 pounds. Uh, moving into 145 pounds, we had Ija. And Jung Young Lee. And this one was a very back and forth fight. Yi kept on trying to take him down and having some success when they were on the feet. Uh, Lee was doing a much better job of landing, landing really a couple hard knees, a couple hard shots. I actually gave the fight to Yi Jia, but the judges saw fit to give him a split decision to Jung Young Lee. So that's what happened in that one. All right. Moving into the prelim main event, we had Jekka Saragi versus Anshul Jubilee. Dude, I, I hope I'm saying these names at least close to being right because I'm trying to I'm trying to sound them out as best I can. So <laughs> really hard leg kicks for Jacob early, um, and then Anshul got the uh, takedown. He had a hard arm triangle attempt um, in the second round. Another takedown from Jubilee started landing some really hard ground and pound. A couple of them really seemed to hurt Jekka. and then he got the finish. Um, he got the finish with the TKO in the second round because. Jekka just could not get up. So another win for the road to UFC for Anshul Jubilee. Okay, maybe a couple of names I could maybe do here. Our first fight of the main <laughs> card was Adam Fugit. Who I like saying, fuck it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's what I like to call him. <laughs> Adam Fugit. And y- yes, y- Yasaku Kinsh- Kinoshita. Um, <laughs> Adam was able to take him down, put down some beautiful elbows, Really, really busted him up from, from the top position. Got the TKO in the first round on that one at 170 pounds. Moving to 145 with our first Rhino Gang fighter on the card, Kyle the Monster Nelson versus Duho Choi. Duho Choi was out striking Kyle almost the entire fight. I mean, he like doubled him up. I think it was like 79 to 39, I believe it was, in strikes. Kyle did have some, uh, some takedown success, some grappling success. It was a close fight. And then in the third round, their heads collided. Uh... Chris Tyone, who I love to affectionately call MMA ASMR ref, because he likes to <laughs> off. Yeah. Hey, guys, you're doing a great job. Um, 
I didn't think he needed to take a point away on that. Headline. No. It wasn't even, <clears> I mean, I wouldn't have even noticed it, and it didn't do anything to him. It, you can't even really see it that good because of his hair was kind of in the way. It did, it was kind of like a grazing. I wouldn't really call it a head, but. It definitely wasn't intentional as far as with my perspective on things. Uh, that, that point deduction ended up being critical in the third yeah. round. It ended up taking a point away from Choi, and then uh, the fight ended up being a majority draw because, you know, um, one one judge still had it as a, a Choi win, but the other two with the deduction had it as a draw, 28-28. So it ends up being a majority draw. You know, I love Kyle Nelson, but, I mean, I thought Juho Choi should have won that fight last night. So, uh, But it ends up being a majority draw, and that one at 145 pounds. Moving into heavyweights, and I had this one wrong, APB, last week. I thought it was going to be much more exciting than it was. Marcin Tybura versus Blagoy Ivanov. It was a very yeah, kind yeah. of ho-hum, you know, fight. Marcin Tybura landed more, was in control more. got the UD in that one for sure. Uh, moving into a nice surprise from last night, the other Rhino Gang fighter, Devin Clark versus Da Un Jung. Look how good I'm getting this now. Practice makes perfect, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Devin Clark did a great job. He had takedowns he in every single round. He had good top control. He had cage control. He landed some decent ground upon. Devin Clark was, I'm going to use the word dominant, last yep. night over the um, – more highly touted Jung in that one at 205 pounds. So big win for Devin Clark. Rhino gang, gang, gang. Great job, dude. All right, moving into 265. Oh, another bummer for <laughs> those of us who love Derek Lewis. Sergey yeah. Like, pretty much immediately took him down, slapped on the arm triangle. Derek Lewis really wasn't trying to get out of it. It didn't look like he was just like, well, fuck. I'm, 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 <laughs> he just uh, kind of he just kind of gave up whenever he got he, that choke on him. He was like, well. Like, I'm here now. and I guess He's like, I'm, I'm ready to out. go home now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in the post-fight, I was glad to hear this. In the post-fight presser, uh, Dana said, no, Derek is in no danger of losing his job. So that's good that Derek Lewis is going to be back. Give him a fight night where he's like main event against another mid, you know, maybe like 15th ranked striker. You know what I'm saying? Give me somebody like that. That's what we need to see, Derek, for Derek Lewis. Sergey Spivak, we got a question about this later, but calls out John Jones in a uh, moment of you're really feeling good about yourself, which is great, but, you know, slow down, Junior. <laughs> you got some time to go. But, again, a big win for him, biggest in his career. So let's go ahead and get into our drop of the night from last night. Mine actually comes from Bellator 290, Lorenz oh. Larkin. Holy oh. Yeah. I didn't get to see that, but I, I like him a lot. So tell me what happened. So it, they, they were in an exchange. And then um, the, his opponent's name is uh, Muhammad uh, Berkamov. And Muhammad, like, stepped in. And then right at the same time, Lorenz stepped in and threw a short right elbow to his temple that Ooh. made him, like, fall backwards and then fall forward straight to his face. Oh, Being wow. KO for Lorenz de Monsoon. Larkin, nice. holy shit, it was awesome. So that's my drop of the night. Did you have a different one than our APB? Yeah, I didn't see that one or else I I'm, sounds like I probably would have picked that one. But I picked, uh, like we said, the only one that I saw live on the, or one of the two I saw live on the UFC card. And it is Rinya Nakamura with the 33 second KO with the left hook to the chin. Great one. I absolutely would have picked that had uh, Lorenz Larkin not fucking starched <laughs> that dude last night those are br both great fucking drops of the night so those are our drops of the night for uh this episode let's go into our main card picks for the incredible ufc 284 next week from perth australia uh at first i'm gonna go with welterweight i got randy brown and this was a tough one because i went back and forth on this but 
I've got Randy Brown going into enemy territory and beating Jack Dale and Madalena in a great fight. TKO in the third round. What about you? I have Della Madalena with the TKO in round one. Okay. Moving into 205, I've got Alonzo Menafield beating Jimmy the Crew, Jimmy the Crew by an incredible KO in the first. I think it's going to be a firefight. And then Alonzo's going to catch him with something. He is so powerful for he light is. heavyweight. Um, yeah, I think he's going to catch Jimmy right on the chin. KO in the first round. Alonzo Menafield, what about you? Well, I like uh, both of them, but I'm going to go with Jimmy the Crew, the Kimura in round one, just so I can hear you do your Jimmy the Crew chant. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Biggie Smalls, man. Notorious B.I.G. It's not Give Me the Loot. It's Jimmy the Crew. And then we're <laughs> going to move into our first Rhino Gang fighter on the main card. We got Parker Porter and Justin Taffa. Now, I don't know exactly if I really give either guy the advantage. I'm just going to go ahead and give it to Parker Porter because he's Rhino Gang. But I think someone's getting knocked out and someone's getting knocked out early. I would be, it's a 50 50 fight, really. Uh, Justin Taffa could just as easily knock out Parker Porter. But I've got Parker Porter's experience in this one. And he's Rhino Gang. KO in the first round, Parker Porter at heavyweight. What about you, APB? I have Taffa with the TKO in round two. TKO round two for APB. All right. Moving into our interim 145-pound championship, we've got Josh Emmett versus Jair Rodriguez. And, dude, this could be one of those fights. APB. Oh, yeah. This could sure. be the fight that we were like, what the fuck did we just watch? Jair Rodriguez is so explosive on his feet. He throws all the spinny shit. He is so dynamic in his striking. And then you got Josh Emmett, who is none of those things. He is just a huge power-having motherfucker who hits like a truck. Josh Emmett, KO in the third round over Yair Rodriguez is my call on that one. What's your take, APB? I I picked the exact same thing that you did. I picked Emmett with the KO in round three. And I think it's going to be exactly as you described. It's going to be a really good fight. And Yair, you know, he's so slick and spinny. But I think that Josh has more power than him. And I would love to see Yair get KO'd because he's kind of a dick. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Moving into our main event. And uh, again, this is not how me as a fan or as a person wants it to go but this is I don't like I don't like where you I don't like where you're going with this <laughs> I don't like these context clues that you're giving me but go ahead say what you're gonna for say the, for the 155 pound belt we got our champion <laughs> Islam Makachev beating Alexander Volkanovsky by the most narrowest of margin split decisions <laughs> I've got Islam Makachev beating Volk split decision I I hope Volk proves me wrong. I hope Volk wins, becomes a champ champ. He is he is so good. He is so hard not to like. I don't mind Islam at all. I'm just saying I think Islam is going to beat him, and I'm rooting for Volk, but I think Islam wins. So split decision win for Islam Makachev over Alexander Volkanovsky. I think the size is really going to be the difference, and uh, that's how I see it. I, I, I take it yours is on the other side of the coin for this pick, APB. Of course. Of course it is. Uh, Islam is good, but he has the personality of a turd, and I just can't ever support him. <laughs> Tell us and how you I really lo- <laughs> Yeah, and I love Volkanovski. Um, I've been a big fan of his for a long time, and so I have him with a TKO in round four. 
All right, so we are at odds on that one for sure. All right, let's go ahead and get in our Q&A with some members of the Rhino Gang. I know our first one comes, who gave me a homework assignment, essentially. Yeah. The first one, Rage and Sweet Potato. What is your question this week, my dude? Okay, RSP says, I have a challenge for you this week. Write a haiku that sums up your feelings on Fedor and his legendary career. This is a really good question. So did you remember what a haiku was whenever you I read did. this? And will you explain what it is for those of us? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, haikus are ancient Japanese ways of writing, and they are always a 575 format. So five words, seven words, five words. And I do remember them because, you know, we learned about it. I want to say middle school. Um, we wrote them. And then I remember in Wayne's World. Um, <laughs> yeah. they, they talk about haikus and he's like, Garth, that was a haiku. And then they all kind of like laugh, but yeah, so I definitely knew, yeah, I definitely knew what a haiku was. Um, and so here is my haiku about Fedor and Melianenko by Rhino. <laughs> the best MMA heavyweight ever on my mountain Rushmore of all time fighters. Thank you for the memories. Oh, that's really good. Uh, thank you. Thank you. So I will be doing um, paper haiku from moving on from, from this point forward. So if anybody needs a haiku written about something, you just DM the old rhino. Five dollars. Uh, and we'll take care of you there. But yes, RSP, thank you for the homework assignment. That was actually pretty fun to do. Appreciate you, brother. All right. Our next one comes from my homie, the Doc. Doc, what do you got for us this week, brother? Doc says, Spivak Doc says, <laughs> Yeah, you got to say that every time. I love it. Okay, so Spivak calling out John Jones was unexpected. Do you think we will ever see that fight? So, in a word, homie, no. Uh, (laughs) He's on a good fight, a good three-fight win streak, I should say. Um, But he's lost to Tom Aspinall, who's really good, right? But he lost Tom Aspinall. He lost to Walt Harris. This is not somebody who is some 18-0 world beater. This is Sergey Spivak, who is a good young fighter. I think he's 28. Um, and he's got a lot of upside to him. But if you're talking about John Jones, you've really got to level up several more. I mean, I'm talking like four or five more wins um, at the heavyweight division and look good doing it. So yeah, I would say I don't see that fight happening. I think Sergey will lose to somebody um, you know, before he gets to that level of John Jones. And if they were to fight, I think Jones would wreck him. That's just how I see it right now. But yeah, I do. So for me to answer that one at the moment, I'm going to go with no. All right. So thank you very much, Doc. All right. Let's get into the uh, Decrons. Decrons, what do you got for us this week, dude? Decrons has about th- three questions. So okay. um, we'll start with um, thoughts on the head clash and the Choi point deduction. And then he wants to know if you stayed awake to hear it, late card A. What did you think of Spivak's call-out, which you already just kind of answered? Um, And then the last question is, who would you like to power slap? Much love, Rhino Gang Gang. So we talked about a little bit earlier on the card, buddy, The on the card, on the show. (laughs) I thought it was not an intentional headbutt. I thought the damage was very minimal, and I thought it was an egregious point deduction. I didn't think there was absolutely necessary. Again, I like Chris Tyone. I think he's a pretty good referee most of the time, and I'm, obviously I love his ASMR ways. But, yeah, that was the wrong call, in my opinion, last night. So I'm not happy with it at all. Um, and then, yeah, I did talk about how, how I feel kind of about Spivak's call-outs for sure. And then anybody who listens to the show, is there any is there any doubt 
who I'd want to be in the Power Slap League. Which, by the way, let me make my feelings real clear on that. I think the fucking Power Slap League is ridiculously stupid. I don't see any reason for it to be around at all. Um, and I am not okay with that fight league happening. So let's put that out right there. But if I was going to be in it, I had to pick a UFC fighter. APB, I'm going to let you go ahead and take a stab at Who do you think the Rhino would want to line up with in the Power Slap League if I had to? My first guess would be Colby Covington. Colby Covington is the correct answer from my co-host with the balls. APB, <laughs> yes. I dislike Colby Covington the most. Um, of any fighter in the UFC, I can't. Oh, I can't stand him. Never have been able to. And yes, power slap league. If I had to do it, he would be the one who I'd want to go up against. So you want to know who mine would be? Yes, I do. That's a great little bonus content. Yes, I would love to know. <laughs> mine would be. Can you let me let you guess first? It's okay, a girl. I'm gonna. Go, I'll give you that. I, okay, okay. If it's a female fighter, I'm gonna go with. Macy Barber is my guess. Macy Barber. Boo, Macy Barber, boo. That's a good guess, but it would be Carla Esparza. Wow, really? Yes, yes, I hate her. I know you don't like her, but I'm surprised that she'd be the first one you want to slap. Well, oh, yeah. She's, she's about slap the shit out of her. APB, <laughs> <laughs> fucking call the motherfuckers out. I love it. All right. Let's get into our... Oh, you got to put your voice... You got to put your voice on. <laughs> Let's get into our big homie, Jim soon. Jim, what do you got for us this week, buddy? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? <laughs> Rano and the Rano gang. Hope y'all are doing well. I wish I could see your face when you do this. It's so funny. Well, I have to. I get it, like, all frowny so I can yeah, kind of, yeah, like, yeah. dig deep. <laughs> yeah. So, it's my scowl face. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Jim wants to know, uh, what's your thoughts on Connor not being in the testing pool yet? And Dana refusing to say shit about the fight being lightweight or welterweight. And you kids know it's always 420. Peace. Peace. <laughs> so basically, on the one hand, obviously it's bullshit. Like if anybody else was going to be fighting in the foreseeable future, they would already be in the USADA testing pool. On the other hand, we know he's the cash cow and we know he gets special accommodations from Dana and from the UFC, right? Um, they're going to be made on his behalf. And we, and we know that. We knew that going in. I do like that he's coming back to coach tough. I think that's cool because obviously it's going to bring a lot of eyes to the sport, which are either a casual or B have never really been too interested in it before. And he always does, you know, he's one of those star quality guys who has a huge following. Um, he's going to make me root for Michael Chandler for the first I know, time ever. Too. That's the fucked up part. <laughs> I know me too. So uh, Michael Chandler is an interesting uh, guy. He's just spent his whole career at, 155. I think it's going to end up being at 170. I do. And I think that's part of why they're not saying anything is they probably are going to push for 155. And eventually Connor's going to be like, you know, I'm not going to make it. You know, it's not going to work. It's not, not conducive to me fighting my best. So I think they're going to go up to 70. And I think that's what the uh, the fight's going to end up being for the end of the tough season against Michael Chandler. So, yeah, I think they're just trying to accommodate him in every way possible and keeping it kind of hush-hush until they figure out that, yeah, he's going to tell them, no, nope, not going to do 155, we're going to do 70. And, uh, yeah, that's, so that's my answer on that one, Jim. Thank you very much, my dude. All right, let's get our last write-in, which comes to my homie Brian from the Hoban Sale. Holster, what do you got for us this week, dude? Okay, Brian says, Rhino, I know Australian crowds are among your favorites. What do you think next week's atmosphere is going to be like in Perth for 284? Oh, dude, it's going to be fucking insane. <laughs> okay, the volume of the cheering. 
the reactions, the chance, especially for the homegrown fighters, is going to be so off the charts, dude. I can't wait. If you go back to every Australian card you've ever seen, and, and again, the, the home uh, kicking the fuck out of Ronda's face. If you remember, I mean, yeah, it was huge as far as like attendance goes, but just the energy that Australian fans bring, I love. The amount of pride they have in their fighters who come from that region is is, is out of this world. You're going to see Australian flags everywhere. It's going to be one of those times where you're like, you feel like you are there, even if you're just watching from your screen at home. And I love Australian crowds. I think it's going to be awesome. I can't fucking wait, dude. So great question, Holston. All right. We have one call-in question. It comes from the Juicy Fruit Baby. Juicy Fruit Baby, what do you got for us this week, dude? What's up, Rhino? You know who this is and what I do. Coming at you via voice because I like to flex. Just uh, wondering your thoughts on if Volk gets it done against Islam, where does that put him in terms of like all time greats? Because there's like, you know, there's a handful of champ champs, but they're not all all time greats. But I think he has a case given who Islam is and you know, what he's already done at featherweight. What are your thoughts? Yeah, if Volk gets it done next week, especially a finish, he's got to be added to the list, dude. If nothing else, he'll, he'll become the best 145-er of all time, right? And then he'll be putting that conversation with the best fighters to ever put gloves on in the octagon. If you talk about – people talk about Mount Rushmore. I think Mount Rushmore is too tough because there's only four slots. <clears throat> and I don't use the word GOAT unless I'm talking about individual weight classes. But if you're talking about my – the, who I think are the best five fighters right now ever to do it. It's DJ, GSP, Anderson Silva, John Jones, and Fedor Emelianenko. Okay, that's my five. If somehow, some way, Volkanovski wins next week against a fucking incredibly, incredibly good fighter like Islam Makachev, you got to put him on the list. You got to. So I would definitely put him on my all-time list if he wins next week, in particular if he gets a finish. So that is my answer on that one. Make sure you check out Juice. Um, and Dave L at the Friendly Sparring Pod. A lot of fun over there with those guys. And you don't even have to like MMA to like that show. They, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just really fun and fun to uh, listen to. So check him out over there. So thank you, Juicy Fruit, baby. All right, APB. We don't have any more of our questions. So we're going to go ahead and do our 10 rounds with Rhino with 4 0 Bellator Flyweight Jenna Bishop after a quick word from our main sponsor, KR Designs. Hey, Rhino Gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. 
Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhinos, proud sponsor. Ah, oh, fight fam, we got ourselves another fantastic guest going 10 rounds around this week. 4-0, Bellator flyweight, jiu-jitsu ace, Jenna Bishop has joined us. Jenna, thank you so much for joining us tonight, my friends. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we are super duper stoked. So, Jenna, basically the first round with Rhino, week in and week out with these fighters, is the question one is the origin story. I love to hear the background story about how you decided to first get involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA. Um, I mean, really, it was something when I started training, I started with jujitsu and I wanted to, I was interested in doing MMA, but just kept getting pushed in more into jujitsu as a focus. And I know my husband, when we were dating the time, he's like, Oh, wait until you get a black belt or wait until you get a purple belt. And all those things kept getting pushed back. And then I was just focused on it. But as I uh, just a couple of years ago, I started training and helping some of the, some other MMA um, girls get ready for fights with just helping them with grappling and stuff. And it kind of was like the final push I needed to get into MMA. Fantastic. Now, as you and I are recording this tonight, you're about a month away from your fight at Bellator 291. Every camp is different. You know, you've already been through four MMA camps preparing for your four uh, pro fights. What has been a major focal point of this camp? Like, that you've really been working on trying to level up this time around? I mean, nothing really changes that much for me. I'm, I'm always training and I'm always trying to improve. Um, the biggest thing that, you know, uh, I've been working on is probably my striking just because it's the you know the the spot that I that I have the least experience in and so you know I've trained jujitsu for I've been yeah 16 years and so that's that's always like my bread and butter and that's what I you know I I can always fall back on but I want to be a well-rounded fighter and I want to be proficient in everything so um I would say striking is probably the thing that you know, I'm trying to do as much as I can to level up. Absolutely. Now, your opponent that night is Greek fighter, and I hope I say her name correctly, Elena Kaladinov. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> um, what, uh, what, if anything, do you know about her and what she brings to the cage? Um, I know that she's a pretty proficient kickboxer. Um, I, she does have some, some submission finishes as well. So I don't think she's afraid to go to the ground. So, um, but I'll be ready for whatever. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't see any tape on her. I didn't, why even, I didn't really look too hard, but uh, yeah, yeah, I had no, I had no idea what she brings. And so, yeah, I'm glad that you, uh, at least have a little bit of knowledge on what she's going <laughs> to be coming with. So as my listeners know, Rhino's house, this house is an LFA house. I am such an LFA fan. I have been for forever, even when they were split off into the two different organizations, and then they became one. All four of your pro MMA fights were under the LFA banner. What would you say your overall experience was working with that promotion? Because a lot of people know it is probably the biggest feeder into the top organizations. So the LFA is a very high-level uh, regional promotion, if we even want to call it that. So what was kind of your experience there? I mean, LFA was great. I, I, um, everybody there was fantastic to work with. I, um, really was just grateful for the opportunity for them to like, you know, give me a chance to get my feet wet in the sport, um, without me having, you know, shown them any other prior, uh, like 
like I didn't have any amateur fights or anything. And they, they, they brought me right into it. And um, I'm glad that they gave me the shot. They were always, you know, working with me to, to get me to where I needed to be because I mean, obviously that's their, that's their goal is to get all their fighters into the, the big leagues. And um, I, you know, Mark is awesome. He's the, the matchmaker over there. He's fantastic. It's, they are um, just, everybody there is just really great with me for me to work with. That's literally been from top to bottom. Everybody <laughs> ever asked about it. They all say the exact same thing. So shout out to the uh, Legacy Fighting Alliance. All right. So having such an extensive grappling career, there's obviously a lot of adjustments you have to make because you know what you're doing on the ground in the jujitsu world. But when you switch over to MMA where you can land elbows and punches and uh, other sorts of strikes, it, there are a lot of adjustments that have to be made. What would you say was one of the hardest things to transition from, okay, this is my position in jujitsu and this is how I know how to get out of it. But now in MMA, I have to make these adjustments as far as like, you know, the technique of where I put my legs or where I, you know, adjust my hips, um, mm -hmm. that you had to transition from jujitsu into the MMA world. You know, there's really not like that much that I think maybe my style, especially nogi, it's a very like grindy on, like I like to play on top and I, I like to kind of not, I'm not a, I like to just make things kind of dirty when I'm, when I'm training. And um, so there's not too much, but you know, a lot of it, it's like people will be like, oh, you can throw punches now and you can, you can strike from different positions. And I think first starting out everybody was even co just coaching people would be like don't forget you can hit and stuff and figuring out like that it's not always a like a just because you're in a position like throwing punches or throw, like trying to throw elbows and stuff isn't always the best option like still learning like where I have control to where I can free up and ha a hand to like deal out some punishment in different spots I think that was kind of a big like the biggest thing that I was like work like learning was just like where i'm in my what positions i am in like and what kind of control i have that would actually like make it easy to like land punches but not lose position right yeah and that's the kind of insight that i love to hear because you know there there are people who transition from the jujitsu world to mma all the time um mm -hmm. but you know a lot of times it is they, they, I don't want to use the word one trick pony because that's not fair, but a lot of people just stick to the jujitsu and they don't really evolve uh, the striking game to where it needs to be to become a high level MMA fighter. And from the four LFA fights that I've watched, you really seem to be focusing on, you, like you said earlier, the entirety of the arsenal. So that is definitely something I wanted to hear about. Uh, speaking of that, you've had two first round uh, rear naked choke wins and then two decision wins. Um, if you add that to all the jujitsu tournaments and all the grappling tournaments you've had over time, is there a fight or a, or a match that stands out the most? Like either this girl was a shit talker or nobody thought you were going to win. Is there one fight or match that stands out for you that like, yeah, I look back at that one and really, uh, enjoy my work. Like, uh, as far as jujitsu goes, either one, either jujitsu okay. or MMA. Um, I mean, I mean, I guess like my second fight in LFA was one that I think, um, cause I, I took it on short notice. I had just fought, I would, they were like three weeks apart, my first and second fight. Um, and they had an opponent fall out. So, um, I took that one and I didn't really, you know, know that much about who my opponent was just that she's a judo girl. And I'm like, okay, she hadn't fought in three years. She's a judo girl. And that's I'm like, okay, so she's going to try and 
throw me or and take me down, which I'm like, if that's what she wants to do, cool, because I like to be on the ground anyway. Right. But she wanted nothing to do with going to the ground with me. She was and then her striking was like had was way different. And I think in that one, I was really happy with that fight because I think I proved a lot to myself and to other people where it's like I'm not just like some jujitsu person that's gonna come in here and like you know, like they say, like you see a lot of jujitsu people, if they get hit or if they can't get to the ground, like they kind of start fading or they crumble or it's like they, they get desperate. And for me, I was yeah. like, I think it only made me, I feel like I learned and improved during that fight. Um, so your second LFA sense. fight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the second LFA really stands out. Yeah. That makes perfect yeah. sense to me. So we have time when we are away from training, we have all that we have lots of time where we are just um, trying to re, you know, rejuvenate ourselves, get away from the fight world. What are some things that you like to do away from training, away from the fight world, just to relax, have some fun and chill out? Um, I mean, I live in San Diego. I love be- spending time at the beach. That's like one of my favorite things to do. I like being in the water, going paddleboarding or just hanging out in the, like on the beach is like one of my like favorite things to do. I would say just in traveling. Um, I wish I, since I've been doing MMA, I haven't had that much of a chance because I feel like I'm always training because especially like um, getting my fights in LFA, I was just like kind of always had to be ready because it's like, oh, maybe you're going to fight next month or maybe they had a hard time finding opponents for me a lot. So I was just always staying ready. But I take every opportunity that I can just to like, go relax and hang out at the beach when I can, when I get the opportunities. Well, you're in a pretty advantageous position, especially being a Detroiter looking out the window at six inches of snow <laughs> on my ground. So yes, I'm sure paddleboarding is a great option. And I'm pretty <laughs> jealous of that. <laughs> so if you had to think about like what you weren't, you know, if you were a fighter, if fighting wasn't an option for a career, if you could only do it for, you know, amateur style with no money. So you had to have like a full-time career. What do you think you would be doing instead of fighting? Um, I mean, I, before, before I was fighting, I was personal training and I worked, I actually worked in the office for quite a bit and I knew that that was not going to be something that I liked doing. So I honestly, I think I would have pursued, um, like makeup, becoming like a makeup artist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you're, I'm not going to be able to help you with that. I have nothing on. <laughs> okay. I've seen some of the, like, you know, when you're going through scrolling through YouTube, you see some of those tutorials and stuff. Yeah. And some, some of them have like seven, eight million views. You're like, holy shit, I guess there really is a market for this. So yeah, oh, yeah. Dude, that, that could absolutely be something that would be lucrative down the road post fighting if you wanted to pursue that. So yeah. Jenna, we all have to cut weight. You know, you and I are both professional fighters. It's just something that has to be done. Um, some people have to do it more extreme than others, but we, what we all do is we all diet down. We have, we deprive ourselves of some of our most favorite foods, um, you know, in the lead up leading to a fight, but put yourself in the mindset of you already won the fight. It's time to hang out with your husband, your teammates, your friends, your family, everybody's going out. or going to have a good time. What are you going to throw down on and where are you going to get it from? Um, I mean, honestly, I either tacos, there's this place in San Diego called Puesto. That's like, it's kind of like a bougie taco spot. It's like my favorite, um, or pizza. <laughs> and I, and I, I already have it. We ordered cause, uh, like St. Louis style pizza. Like I'm from St. Louis. I love me some 
St. Louis style pizza. So I already have an order coming that'll be in my freezer for when I get back. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know, the difference between St. St. Louis style pizza and other pizzas is A, the Provel cheese, correct? Yes. yes. And then B, the sweet sauce. It's a sweet yes. sauce on the uh, on the pizza, um, which yes. is very different from our Detroit style where I'm from, which is kind of the in-between thick crust and regular butt. They are both delicious. If you've never had St. Louis style pizza, it is really, really good. So um, I totally get that answer, my friend. Yes. I'm so glad you say that because I feel like people either like that didn't grow up with it. Like I've heard a lot of people being like, oh, it's so gross. But I don't know. It's just it's delicious. <laughs> no, they're out of their mind. It's different. You know what I mean? It's different than regular yeah. pizza because, again, the sauce is – and, I, and I'm, I'm misleading a little bit. It's not like barbecue sauce, but it's not not no. like barbecue sauce. There is a sweetness to it that you don't find yeah. in most sauces. And the Provel cheese yeah. is more like – it's kind of got like a real gooey factor it's to it. So you know what gooey. I mean? Yeah, it's not like the snap of, that you get from like whole milk mozzarella. But enough about no. pizza for Pete's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk about pizza all day if I give it a chance. So basically, Jenna, we have run into the 10th round with Rhino, which is just the easiest round. <laughs> I almost said easiest Rhino of them all. Easiest round <laughs> of them all. And that's just when you share your social medias with us. So the people in the Rhino gang can follow you along in your career moving forward. We can keep tabs on you in your trading. So where do we find you on social media, my friend? Um, I'm mostly on Instagram, pretty, uh, at, uh, Jenna Bishop, BJJ, Jenna with one N that's something people mess up quite a bit. Um, and, and I'm not really on Twitter very much, but that's probably the best place to, to follow me. So Jenna with one N because the old Rhino made that mistake a couple times too. Very <laughs> much. <laughs> Even when you and I were texting, I was like, I wrote Jenna with two N's at least four or five times. I had to make sure yeah. I went back and changed on that. So yes, Jenna, um, Jenna Bishop, BJJ on Instagram. That's the best place. Yes. Excellent. Well, Jenna, we really, really appreciate you taking the time. Like I said, we're only about a month out from Bellator 291 where you will be taking on Elena Kaladinov. Um, uh, I'm not going to try to say that perfectly. Uh, so let's all tune in, fight fam. Let's check out Bellator 291 to watch Jenna get in there and do her thing at Flyweight. It's going to be awesome. Jenna, we really appreciate you taking the time out today. We, uh, we know how crazy things are in training camp. So again, we really appreciate you taking the time to go 10 rounds with Rhino today. Thank you so much. This is Jenna Bishop, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Jenna, thank you so much. We know how crazy times are with Fight Camp, and we really appreciate you taking the time to go 10 rounds with Rhino this week. So thank you very much. All right, let's give our shout-outs and our outro to our forum contributors to the Rage of Sweet Potato from up in Canada Way, to my homie the Doc, to D. Kranz, to Jim Assoon, to Brian from the Home and Sale, to the Juicy Fruit Baby from Friendly Sparring Pod. The APB, my co-host with the Mohost, who wants to slap the shit out of uh, Carlos Pisa, apparently. <laughs> to Brat, Tempting Tory, Fabian the Man of Mayhem, Miss Fight Diva, Kairos. To my underdog MMA peeps, Jillian, Chrissy, Monica, Katie, and Jason. To Chisanga, Jessica from What's Up Weirdo Pod. To Jamal, the son of Thomas McTavish Clan, otherwise known as Cyrus King. To Tom and Sandy. To the Filthy Casual. To all the ladies of the PRG, to my man Hunter, to my beloved Rhino Gang GC, to the feature play Andrea, to D Reigns, the best engineer in the biz. Great poster done again this week by our new graphic designer. We love him. He's awesome. Jay, who you can follow at JMMA4 on Twitter or his YouTube channel, JMMA. He is awesome. Check him out. So thank you, Jay. As we all know, here at the old Combat Sports with Rhino show, we love to talk about 
you know, things having to do with MMA. We have things to do with combat sports. That's our, that's our, that's our, that's what we do. That's what we do around here, BB. But I also want to make sure as we end every week, we want to say that love is greater than hate. And we will see you next week. Kate Sun!